This is What Happens If with Daniel and Jan on Joy. Well, here we are. Yeah. yeah. Is this number four? This is number four, baby. Great. This is What Happens If on Joy 94.9. My name's Daniel Roberts. I'm Jan Pietro. And uh, each week on What Happens If, we try and bring you a new topic, a new question, a new discussion point. Mm. What's happening in the world? Well, we're worrying if we're dying. And that's the question we're asking tonight. What happens if I die? It happens all the time. It really does. Now, people have pointed out um, the correct, um, what is it, punctuation? Grammar. Grammar, excuse me. Just words? Yeah, the correct <laughs> words would be what happens when I die. But if you use it if you use it like this, but 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 what happens if I die? Yeah. Well that works. Then, yeah. If I said, but, but what happens when I die? You'd nah. go, well just You just die. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> well a good jam packed show. We do actually, don't we? Oh we do. Uh, we've got um we've got we go highbrow. Uh yeah. I guess, kind which of. One, which bit are you referring to? Well, Hannah Gould. Yeah. Who uh, is a graduate researcher from Melbourne University School of Social and Political Sciences. Um, she'll be joining us first up yep. for a convo about mm. all kinds of things, but mainly we want to get to uh, kind of weird and wonderful funerals. Yeah. Yeah, hey, which hey. apparently seems to be her specialty from yes, what we've heard. Yeah, she deals a lot with burials and <laughs> how we bury ourselves and it's very interesting. Interesting stuff. I Actually, will, I will say there was a quick trigger warning at the beginning of this show. If you feel like um, this topic is too heavy for you, mm. um, we won't be offended. No. Uh, maybe this isn't the show for you tonight. If you feel like it's too close to home, no worries. We are not looking into anything too serious. We're just looking at more of the practicality um, of death and how it occurs and That's what true. to do uh, what to do afterwards, what to do before to prepare for it. Mm. Um, which is which brings us to our next guest, yes. Ms. Calvite. Yes. Who uh, is from KHQ Lawyers and she's from the Wills Department at mm. KHQ Lawyers. Um, so she'll be in to tell us all about uh, how to get organised and what to do with your stuff. Even if you don't think you have stuff, you actually do have stuff. I feel like she's going to tell us a lot of stuff we don't know. <laughs> Well, that's the point of the show, isn't it? It really is. And uh, we also... Well, actually, you brought something to the table. Yeah. As, um, you, as you so often do. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the, well, what I, as I also so often do is I... You read stuff. I, I read stuff. I do read stuff. Mm. And um, I tend to I tend to flip things on their head a little bit yep. now and again. You've never flipped me. No. And one of my favourite thinkers... Mm. on the subject of dying is it me is Aubrey de Grey ah. <laughs> close <laughs> um, Aubrey de Grey yeah he's 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 brilliant and he's he's really like as far as like public intellectuals go he's quite palatable like he, he, he the talks that he's given that I've watched and the articles that I've read of his are 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 really quite straightforward and um he his general sort of thesis i suppose or, or what he likes to talk about is about how aging is aging and death are just another curable disease okay well, well how does how does that sit with you well give me more i'm not <laughs> okay. i'm not with you yet uh, yeah aubrey if that is your I'll, real I'll, name i'll give you his definition of aging he says it's a lifelong accumulation of damage to the body that occurs as intrinsic side effects of the body's normal operation 
Well, I feel that. I feel that now and I'm only 30. You do, right? Yeah. It makes sense. I'm tired. But what he also says is that doesn't just happen to organisms like human beings or whales or whatever. Oh. <laughs> it's the only other thing I could think of was a whale. Well, we're joined by our whale guest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can put that alongside my frog impersonation from last week. I've got an album queuing up there. Um, but what he says is, what, what, Aubrey, what Aubrey says is that... Aubrey Wodonga. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't believe that made me laugh. <laughs> Aubrey Wodonga. That's like, that's like that guy, um, ostentatious, isn't it? Have Who's a Captain that? Cook. Oh, yeah, Remember yeah. Those, those are, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Aubrey Wodonga. <laughs> What what's, the, said, what's the old Wodong got to say? Yeah, Wodong Dongs. Yeah. He says, um, he says that the same thing happens to everything. When your car gets old, it's aging. It's an aging car. Yes. So you can think of aging in that way. When you start to frame it in that way, uh, you can see that it's just a problem to be solved because I can take a car and I can put a new engine in it and it runs for a longer, right? Yeah. I can take a car and I can change the, any type, any tiny little part of that car that makes it into a car. And extend its life. So we see, as humans, we see aging as the indefinite ending. Yep. Whereas in a in a machine, for example, we think, oh, that's easy to fix. Repairs. I'll just put something else in. Yep. So we could maybe we could be thinking the same thing about ourselves. Is what this Aubrey Wodonga is saying. That's right. He's saying he's <laughs> saying there's just another problem to be solved. Okay. And so and he said and he says, you know, in the scheme of problems problems to be solved, uh, it's a pretty important one. Hmm. Something like a hundred thousand people die a day. Oh, is that it? From aging. Oh, okay. Right. Oh my god. So that's a big problem. That is huge. And and you know, in terms of other problems that we talk about, we've talked about some of them. We've talked about the economy. We've talked about climate change. Yes. Well, dying's dying's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he thinks it's all quite achievable. He reckons. Uh, he reckons it's something that we're going to do. Um, and he thinks it's something that we should put more money into. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of money already in it. But isn't there that argument for by the time you're old, you're kind of done? Yeah. What he would say is you, at that point, you, you've already accumulated the damage. So, so he would say, get it earlier. I mean, we're not there yet. We can't do it yet, but you could just get it earlier. Like a vampire. You'd end up like a vampire. You'd end up like you're in (laughs) twilight. Twilight. Well, I wouldn't mind that. I don't know. Have I thought about this before? Eternal life? No, I don't think it's for me because I'm too intense in my own mind. (laughs) (laughs) I can't live with this forever. Yeah, but you know what we also say? We say that people get wiser as they get older. You'd still be getting older in time. Yes, you would. You'd get better and better at living. Yes. Right? You'd get better and better at being in the universe. And things would get better. Things are getting better. Yes, they are in, on the planet. It like, gets better, it, you know, and it, you know, uh, but you just have, don't have to do the aging bit. Yeah, and as in aging, as in physically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I like all, that. All the stuff that because because this is the, the central point of his, which is that aging is just stuff going wrong that makes you eventually die. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we don't treat other aging diseases the same as this. We don't. We don't say of people who have, for example, dementia, that's an aging disease. That's something that old people get, right? We don't. We don't say, uh, well, that's oh well, nothing to do there. It's yeah. inevitable. You're right? old. We try and cure it. Yes, that's true. So he's putting death in that same category. Okay, well, happy with that? Yeah, happy with dongs. Yeah, that was Aubrey Wodonga, was it? That's no, right. Aubrey. 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 De- Aubrey what was Go his on. Name? Go for it. Aubrey de Grey. Thank you, Mr. Grey. 
<laughs> he has a long beard, I saw. Is that him? So long, yeah. He's a TED Talk kind of guy. He is a TED Talk. Yeah, you can just, just Google him. Now, um, as well as Aubrey, you've also brought something else. You've, 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 I'm you're very, bringing. You're very bringing I'm to bringing, this week. Look, death isn't something I don't think about. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, to be honest, I never think about it. Let's talk about that. Do you, do you ever think about it? Yeah. Do you? Yeah. No, I don't. Someone said to me today, they said that they used to go to bed as a child and they would um, get really quite anxious about it. And I said to them, well, probably the more and more you do that, the better and better you'll get at accepting it. Carl Jung <laughs> used to say, I think it was Carl Jung, he said... Who's Carl should, Jung? Uh, bloke who wrote a lot about psychology and dreams and stuff. Okay. Oh, gee, that was a really bad summary of his work. No, but no, no. It is what it is. That's, that's us. Um, he, he said um, <laughs> we should think about death five minutes a day. The All point right. The point being that um, by the time you get to it, you'll be fine with it. Should we do it now? For five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> should we just think out loud? <laughs> well, one thing we were going to do, we were talking, we were going to talk about our, about about our own funerals. Yes. Now, my funeral, if, if I if I could, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so you do I, think about it. If I, well, yeah, I guess I do. But yeah. if I could make the rules, um, I would make sure it was it was just a great party. I don't want people. I don't want people to be sad. I don't want people to. I don't. I don't, I don't feel the need for people to go to church. I don't need people to pray over my coffin. That's not something that I need. No, nope. um, but I'm happy to go to the other people's funerals. So by you, all wouldn't, means. you wouldn't specify the space. Nope. Oh, would I specify the space? Because because then they might take it to a church. <laughs> <laughs> well, then yeah, and well, you're like ah. Oh. Uh, well, then uh, maybe maybe in like a cool maybe in like a in a in a, in a pub. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Okay. Oh, oh no, but I'd be. I would have. Sorry, I would have already been cremated. Okay. <laughs> yeah, good. So, I don't know why I laughed at that. Yeah. That's fine. Um, I don't know. I just cremation. Like, so we're in a pub and you're in an urn. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Yes. And I'm, and I'm on the bar. Right. And uh, hopefully in a in a in a receptacle that doesn't <laughs> resemble a glass. Like any, yeah. No, that's right. Exactly. Glass yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much as far as I've gotten in planning my funeral. But I know that I just want it to be fun, fun, fun. Everyone having a great time. Okay. Are you the opposite? <laughs> um, <laughs> that would work well for the show. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No smiling. I think. Um, well, you've, you've been brought up. You've been uh, brought up Catholic. Yep. Yeah, there was a period of time there where that yep. was a thing that I did, but yep. it really doesn't work on me now. No. Okay. Work on me? Yeah. No. Same. Yeah. It's just done a part of my life. Yeah. Um. So there's certainly same, I guess. Certainly, um, no input from that um system. Yeah. Um. But um, what there probably is input from is the is the idea of making it a making it an event that that does something for mm. the people who are there. Yeah. Um, and Would so, you like and, me to sing? Um, you're putting me on the spot here, so I'll, I'll think about it. What if I did a sh- radio show with <laughs> your dead body? You live broadcast my funeral. <laughs> uh, the family is approaching the coffin. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. So, so, so this wasn't. A, this is you just commenting, commentating my funeral. Yeah. <laughs> oh goodness oh, me! It's got dark. Anyway. Got dark. Yeah. <laughs> it is dark. We're asking what happens if uh, I die. It's a heavy topic. As I said, trigger warning. If it's not the show for you, flick around. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, Mal. Now, I did mention... Mal. Brought, Mal. He's dead. <laughs> now, I did mention... He is dead as well. I did mention that you brought something else to the table. Yeah. Um, you, so, you we, yeah, we're going to have... We're going to have... A, uh, yeah, we're going to have a little listen to um, some work from... Um, 
two UK artists. They're an artist duo um, called French and Mottershead. It's Rebecca French and Andrew Mottershead. Now, they do evocative audio works, and this is this is a wonderful thing that um, someone at someone I was just performing in a musical recently and uh, someone at work put me onto this and um, this the basic premise is that you've died and have a listen great the sounds of the summer evening street are muffled by the closed windows and curtains on the bedside table your phone is charging there's a glass of water and a book the small lamp casts a soft light over your body You're on your side, head on your pillow, your hands up towards your face, and your legs under the bedclothes. Your eyes and mouth are open. Your muscles relax. Your heart is smooth and still. Blood drains to the underside of your body. You are losing heat. Your legs cool more slowly. Your lips dry out. Muscles controlling your gut slacken. Your sphincters open. And the contents of your bowel and bladder leak out soaking your bedclothes and mattress. Cells use up the remaining oxygen in your blood and body. Without oxygen, the cells in your brain and liver are the first to break down. The Joy Community, here for you, here together. This is What Happens If on Joy 94.9 and tonight we're asking the question, what happens if I die? Uh, if you are confused about some of the audio, if you just tuned in and you heard yeah. some really dark, heavy stuff, um, that was intentional. We did mean to play that. We'll explain more about it later. Yeah, you'll hear more of that later. Right now, I think we should move on with it. We've got Hannah Gould on the phone. She is a graduate researcher from Melbourne University School of Social and Political Sciences and she joins us now for a conversation. Hello, Hannah. Thanks for coming on. Hi, thanks for having me. No worries. So, um... Do you enjoy speaking about dying? Is that why you agreed to speak with us? Is this something you're focusing on? <laughs> uh, look, it's something I do on a pretty regular basis, actually. Uh, a lot of my research is about death and dying, and uh, it's often interesting when you, you know, fellow researchers go out to the pub or out to dinner, and the people around us often have some very weird facial expressions as we talk about <laughs> cremation and uh, burial over dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we know that you just got back from uh, Tokyo. Uh, what were you doing over there yeah. besides um, you know, posing to be a corpse, as we've seen? Uh, yes, no, I was posing to be a corpse. Uh, so I actually was attending the Tokyo International Funeral Industry Expo. Oh, fun. Um, also known as Endex. Mm, very exciting. So <laughs> the convention for all people, death and dying in Japan, everyone from the Buddhist priests to the people that press the button at the crematorium, and all the latest technology about how they can shoot you into space or, you know, release your ashes into the the Tokyo River or all the new things they can do with you once you die. I'm going to have to pull you up on shooting into space. You've got to tell mm-hmm. me about that. <laughs> well, there's actually a few companies now that have been doing this, both in Japan and the US uh, and Australia, I believe. Uh, it's a very small amount of your ashes, if you choose to be cremated, uh, can now be launched into space on a spaceship, uh, one of the rockets they have. 
uh, and the rockets go up a few times a year, and yeah, you can be forever amongst the stars, as it were. Wow. Why small amount? Yeah. I mean, space is infinite. Do you mind as well just chuck the whole thing up there? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think they've got a bit of an energy problem, you know, going on. It's human uh, body actually produces quite a lot of ash, and uh, oh, to right. get it all up on the rocket would be <laughs> rather a difficult task. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. People, probably, and it's, it's kind of like that thing when you fly with an airline and they, make, they charge you for an extra bag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it's probably uh, by the kilo. Yeah, exactly. Uh, by the gram in this case, perhaps. <laughs> And if it was like Jetstar, they'd do it right at the top. They'd just, uh, that'd be the first I mean, thing they do. I mean, extra your baggage. baggage, yeah, you yeah, know, exactly. completely. Um, I've seen that um, you do some interesting work into um, the way that we talk about dying. I, I remember reading that um, you, you've done some work on um, the way we think about our places of burial and about um, and about how how we how different cultures do that. Can you speak to us a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about death is it's something that all humans do. It's one of the few universals we've got, really. But different cultures, different societies around the world throughout time have always done death differently. And we should really see how we practice death in Australia today as just one solution to that problem, I suppose. So the idea of, you know, burying people, as we've done in Australia for a long time, and uh, putting them out in the, uh, usually the outer suburbs, as it were, some cemetery where there's lots of space and going to see them pretty rarely this is actually quite a a, a weird way of doing death when we look around the world lots of different cultures keep the dead ones really close to them talk to them uh have them in their home uh some people will you know cremate them and have the ashes with them in their living room for all eternity Uh, other people will uh you know take the dead body and every couple of years dig it up again and dress it in new clothes and make it part of the family. Oh, no. So our way of doing death, I know. Look, I, I, I am don't like that one, Hannah. The mummification <laughs> process, look, the mummification process, I am told, deals with a lot of the uh, smelly entrails that you had uh, talking about at the start of the show. Um, but, you know, this is, this is, this is you know, dead bodies, uh, the infinite amount of human creativity comes from dealing with the dead. So do, so do you view, I mean, I, I must admit, what like, recently... As I go past cemeteries in the car, or I'm just walking past a cemetery. It's a, it's a lot of space. Like these are big places, especially the older yeah. ones in I don't know in, in Melbourne certainly, like around St Kilda places yeah. like this. There are some huge cemeteries. So, so how do you think about burial spaces in terms of how they sit, sit in a, in our culture or sit as sites within a city? It's really interesting, and it's something that's changed over time. So, you know, academics, we talk about something called the sequestration of death, which is the separation of death from life. And for health reasons, you know, the dead thought to be, you know, contaminating of disease and all these kind of nasty smells. They don't really, but, you know, we wanted to separate them from our everyday lives. And so if you're going to bury people, you need a lot of space. And particularly in Australia, when we bury people... Um, we have in perpetuity, which means that you can't ever use that grave again. So once you bury someone, that space has to be tended to by the cemetery for all time. And that's a really big problem because, I mean, if you look at housing prices in today in Melbourne, it's pretty expensive to get some good real estate. Yeah. Cemeteries are exactly the same. But real estate in death is really expensive. Wow. Um, and actually, I a lot didn't of know that. That's, now are filling up. That feels yeah. just like a, a ticking time bomb. We can't keep doing that. It is. It is really. I mean, one of the things that we've done in Australia which has helped this out is we're moving more and more towards cremation. And obviously, cremation rate in Australia now is about 60 to 70% of people are cremating. 
a few, couple of years ago, a couple of decades ago, you know, 20 30%. But now we've got more people uh, opting for cremation. We've obviously got more space that can be used. That's one solution. The other solution is maybe we just shouldn't be so afraid of the dead. Maybe we shouldn't stick them out in the suburbs. Maybe we can find new spaces for the cemetery. Put a cemetery... Like where, the Burke Street Mall? <laughs> yeah, Burke Street Mall. <laughs> well, you know... The Maya windows, maybe, like, Hannah. <laughs> Ooh, They're as good as dead. Halloween display, of course. Definitely. <laughs> um, well, you know, one of the largest one of the largest cemeteries in Melbourne is actually uh, historically was actually under the Queen Vic Markets. That was a huge cemetery, oh. and that's been a contentious issue around the around the redevelopment of that. I understand. Yes, because obviously we've got this idea of that once a cemetery, always a cemetery, or once a dead body, we can never do anything else on that land. But it's a real real estate problem. Well, I mean, Australia is obviously uh, a very successful multicultural nation. Um, how mm-hmm. are we all celebrating death in our own backyard? If we are from all these different cultures, surely there must be more than just cemeteries and cremation. Look, look, I'd really, if you want a good day out, I really encourage you to go to one of the big multicultural cemeteries in Melbourne. It's a good trip because you go to somewhere like Springvale Cemetery, for example, and you can see it's divided up into all the religions and cultures that, you know, exist within Melbourne. Oh, that's so you awesome. You might have certain areas for, yeah, Islamic and um, Jewish burials, other, you know, um, Confucian kind of Taoist-inspired Vietnamese and <laughs> Chinese communities with cremations interred into the walls. And then yeah. you've got, you know, the kind of Church in England, old headstone graves. It's a real mix. And cemeteries have to deal with that as well. Good old Church of England. <laughs> yeah, yeah, classic, classic and boring. <laughs> less and less these days, I might say. Uh, yeah, right. And, and that that must tell us a lot. I mean, you, you're an anthropologist. That must tell us a lot about the living. I think it does. I think it, it you know, it shows us about how we care for the dead and how we really invest a lot of time and energy into thinking about how to die. There's very few cultures, societies at all, if any, that do nothing with the dead. You know, dead is always, death has always fascinated us and the question of, you know, how to deal with this big momentous occasion has just produced so many different fascinating responses. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. If death, if death is going to happen to us, what, what, what is the fascination? Is it, is it because it is that, that end game? Yeah, I think it's part of the end game. I think it's partly the unknown. Um, mm. Humans are not very good at dealing with the unknown in in most circumstances. And and the fact that, you know, you can't interview a dead person or, well, most most people would say you can't interview a dead person. <laughs> we could try. There's one here now, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we don't, we, we ultimately, um, we're not sure and we're uncertain. And so when we're faced with uncertainty, we're really good at creating stories to tell ourselves. And so we've come up with some pretty good stories, to be honest. In terms of stories, um, my parents were probably of the last generation in Australia of Catholic Australians that grew up being told, if you do anything bad, you'll go to hell. Are there still religions that are preaching this kind of thing that, that you know, leading towards death? I mean, yeah, the fire and brimstone, hell and damnation uh, kind of understanding of death is quite quite rare and it's probably um, quite rare historically. Hell is a particularly... Christian concept mm. uh, that doesn't pop up in many other religions around the world, but certainly there are a lot of religions and cultural practices that see this life as preparation or a trial run the next life. Be that uh, something like a rebirth in Hinduism and Buddhism, 
or some form of paradise or even test of your, you know, sins or goodness um, in Abrahamic religions, so Islam and Judaism and Christianity. It's quite, it's quite a simple and interesting thing to see that this life is just a test or trial run for the next. It's just a big dress rehearsal. And that's it. Yeah, it's a dress rehearsal, exactly. Unfortunately, dress rehearsals tend to be a little bit worse than the actual show. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Things tend to go wrong. <laughs> Hey, Hannah. Well, isn't it that everything goes wrong, so it's all good at the end, eh? Well, yeah. Well, that's it. Speaking of dress rehearsals, did you have anything planned for yours? You've seen a lot of funerals. What would be your choice of funeral? You know, the more and more I see different funerals, the more I get really confused. There's just so many good options out there, really. Um, look, I think one of the best funeral traditions in all over the world is the uh, New Orleans Jazz Funeral, which is one of the few societies or cultures around the world that really has a party after people die. So, you know, the procession starts out um, with people, you know, being led through a kind of bomber music as they, you know, take the coffin down to the funeral home. But about halfway through, just the entire thing, the whole mood changes and there's a brass band and there's dancing in the streets and the whole city gets involved and everyone just has a really great time and just dances towards the funeral home. And I really can think of nothing better. That would be great. That sounds amazing. So um, just quickly, Hannah, um, we have to wrap it up, but where can people go to um, follow your work and what you're up to? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at H-R-H-G-O-U-L-D or you can visit my website, hannahgould.com. Hannah, Hannah is a graduate researcher from Melbourne University School of Social Political Sciences. Um, Hannah, thanks so much for joining us and I hope that uh, that your New Orleans funeral doesn't come around too soon. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for talking to me. Have a good day, Bye-bye. Joy 94.9. This is What Happens If on Joy 94.9. And tonight we're asking the question, what happens if I die? Mm. All right, Jan. Now, I'm not one for collecting things. I don't have uh, much or any money. (laughs) Anything at all. To my name. And I'm currently living at home and driving my dad's car. (laughs) The old Ford Falcon. That's it. it. Um, But if I did have any kind of financial freedom... What I should be doing is uh, planning for the inevitable, mm. you know. Yeah. Uh, now, Ines Calvite is from KHQ Lawyers and is here to school us on the art of bequeathing. Hello, Ines. Hello, Dan. Hello, Jan. Hello. <laughs> now, Ines, uh, tell us how often do people forget about sorting stuff out before they die? Well... I think there are statistics saying that about 50% of the Australian population doesn't have a will or powers of attorney. And it's not so much about forgetting, but rather people not wanting to think about Putting it. Putting it off. Mm, it seems, it seems like death. a huge, a huge number. Half. Half. Yep. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And, and a lot of people suffer under the misconception as you have, uh, as you do, that, um, you don't need a will or powers of attorney just because you don't have any assets. Mm. There you go. Okay. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to be honest here. I don't have any, any of that. Do yeah. you? Any, any, will any power organ- no, nothing. Yeah, yeah, okay. You so don't that's, have a will? So that's no. two out of three. Okay. So. I'll, I'll leave my business card yes, for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, no, look, um, the thing is, you do have something and you might just not be aware of it, but, um, you've got a superannuation account. Right. Yep. Yes, yes. I do. There, there might be $5.40 in it, but with a bit of luck, you have an automatic, um, insurance funds set up with it because that often comes as a default. Yeah. And um and that is something that will be part 
of what you leave behind if you were to pass away. And if you don't have a, a partner, a spouse, mm. uh, and you don't have any children, well, to whom does that uh, super ben- death benefit, which is the $5.50 that you've got in your super account, plus the insurance money, where does that go to? So if you don't have a spouse and you don't have children, uh, it will go into your estate because the way the laws are structured, super sits outside your estate and and the trustees make the decision as to where it goes. And mm-hmm. when you've got a partner or you've got children, it will usually go to them uh, if you haven't made any provisions. But mm-hmm. if you don't have a partner and if you don't have children, then it will go into your estate. And there are plenty of examples where very young people have had a motorbike accident mm-hmm. and they ha- didn't have much to their name and they didn't have a will. And then the super went into their estate and it would then through the intestacy regulations go to mum and dad but what if for example mum and dad or what you know your parents um if they uh, if they no longer together and you actually spend your entire life with just one parent and you've Ooh, never seen the other parent oh, you see there's so many permutations that's right so um you know that's my job i'm the devil's advocate i <laughs> uh, i'm here to tell you that even young people need a will, and even if you think you don't have any assets. The other thing is that um, your body, you might think that you've got control over your body, but you don't when you die. So um, yes. you, in your will, you not only give away your assets, but you also appoint someone to be in charge of your stuff, including your body. Oh, my so, God. So your assets and your ass. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> so if you, you, you know, if hey, you want to, that's right. So if you want to, I don't know, have a lavish funeral mm. with the little money that you did leave behind, mm. um, you, you better off appointing the trusted person to make sure that the right songs are being sung and that your, you know, body is cremated rather than buried or buried rather than cremated. Wow. Uh, I recently went into the Medicare app and I, and I put myself down as an organ donor. That's great. And so that is that. Am I covered? Like, is that that's that's what will happen, regardless of what I write in my will, or does the will overpower the? No, the no, organ so, donation? no. So a lot of people actually want to put in the will that they want to donate their organs or their body to science or whatever, and uh, it is much better to register as an organ donor because by the time the will gets, you know. Um, taken out of the cupboard, the lawyer found who held, holds the will. By that yeah. stage, your organs are usually no longer any good. Uh, yeah. So it's much better to to register as an organ donor and have the pass in your in your mm. wallet. Um, but even if you donate your organs, there's still something left to be buried or cremated. It's mm. got to go somewhere. Yeah. So in the your rest, <laughs> the rest. <laughs> That's right. So in your will, um, you appoint an executor to. Look after all of that to close your bank accounts, even if there's only little money in it, to deal with your Facebook account, to deal with mm. your, uh, be, you know, with your, um, online assets, whatever you've got. Um, you know, mm. you might have a, um, an Amazon account where you've got a self-published book on it or, or whatever right. it is, you know. So it, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that is worth a lot in monetary terms. Yeah. Jeez. Lots to think about. I feel like I've got to make an appointment. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a lot of those so, so, Yeah, so, 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 um, are the cases morphing in terms of the people who come to you to organize their affairs? Are the cases morphing because of technology? Are you seeing more people coming in and going, how about, what about this X, Y, and Z? 
you know, I feel like, I feel like a lot of um, our assets do exist online now. Yeah. Has that shifted the space a lot? Well, it's a, it's a very hot and interesting topic at the moment because there's actually no law about it. Um, New South Wales is the first state that has started the process of thinking about whether there should be rules around that which actually regulate the online assets and the online space because at the moment you know if if you if you die and someone wants to access your facebook account you need to deal with facebook you need to um you need to deal with paypal you need to deal mm. with your instagram account they are all different companies in different locations and it's very very complicated so there are no general rules around it, and New South Wales is just just about to start thinking about those. Um, but yes, the genera- the the younger generation, I suppose, is thinking more about that than mm. perhaps the older generation, and and that that's where this whole thing of ah oh, well, you know, I I'm too young to think about a will or powers of attorney comes into because you know. Um, well, the younger people getting older as well, and and the, we're trying to educate younger people to to do a will. It doesn't have to be an expensive affair. You can, you know, it's better to have a simple will than no will whatsoever. But um, I, I think the the more younger people will, um, well, will get older as well mm. as think about wills and estate planning. The more they will also um, consider online assets and and lawyers will address that issue more and more. Well, let's bring it um, a bit close to home in terms of joy listeners. Now that the marriage laws have changed, what do lesbian and gay couples um, have to be aware of now? Well, um, we have had um, a same-sex law reform package passed I think about 10 years ago in terms of um, your, your domestic partners or you know in the domestic partner space it didn't matter from a legal point of view whether you are gay lesbian or you know heterosexual sexual um, people were all treated the same so now with the change of the marriage law it actually doesn't make any difference for a particular group of people. Um, the general laws are still the same, but what people need to be aware of who have no um, history or experience of marrying and divorcing mm. is that marriage revokes a will. So if you have a will and you decide to marry, then you need to think about making a new will because marriage will simply revoke your will. It, there, there's sort of rules around it that, you know, if you, um, for example, left everything to, to your, um, domestic partner and then you marry and you still want to leave everything to the mess, to the, the domestic partner, that gift will be preserved. But in general, the will will be revoked. And because often we do wills that cater not only for the next person that you leave things to, but also the gift overs, you know, if my partner dies, then I leave it to my nieces and nephews. So those gift overs, will then disappear because your will is no longer valid. Divorce, on the other hand, does not um, revoke the will. So divorce will only take out the spouse, um, the gift to the spouse and any appointment of the spouse as an executor and things like that. So that's the same for whatever married couple you have. Um, but obviously people who haven't married before or haven't divorced before will have to think about those things. It's so, um, it seems so beyond anything that you ever have to think about, but it's also so practical. I mean, the laws are there. The laws make sense. They, they're there, I guess, in most, mostly to help you and to sort of assist you, but it all, it all seems so out of reach at yeah. the same time. Well, it's, it's interesting you brought up super because I, rec- I remember quite recently I changed over my super and it was simply a, 
a couple of boxes boxes to check. I did it too. Do you want to do you want to appoint a, yeah. someone who will get all this super if you die? That's right. I haven't done it yet though. I know. No. I need to do it. Well, and and I'll also, it. yeah, and, and sometimes I don't give you the guide, guidelines on the form as to who to tick because you can't actually leave your super to mum, dad, um, brother, sister. You know, you can only leave it to a very small category of people. That is your spouse, your financial dependents, your children, and to your legal person representatives, i.e. your estate. So mm. if you tick, I want all my super to go to my aunt or to my sibling, it just will not work legally. It's impossible. But Why is that? Super fun, because of the super uh, regulations, the super laws, ah. they say that there's only a limited group of people that you can leave your super to, and um, the super fund might not actually tell you that when they receive your form where you've mm. said, oh, everything to Auntie Mary, mm-hmm. they, they won't send the They're form. They're not going to give you a call and go, you should rethink that. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> and so it, it's. In, you know, in that respect, it's really good to get, you know, legal advice. And of course, I would say that I make a living yeah. out of this. Well, but, but it is good to note. I mean, in the case where you've, let's say you filled that out incorrectly. Yeah. You haven't chosen the, an, an appropriate, um, person in that, you know, in right, in that part of the form. What's the default? For the super company? Well, the default is if you don't have a financial dependent, if you don't have a spouse and you don't have children, it will go into your estate. And then it's, again, a question of do you have a will which says where the money is supposed to go? Or if you don't have a will, then that uh, it falls under the intestacy rules. So because there are so many people who don't have a will, the law has actually set up a regime which needs to be followed if you don't have a will. And and that depends on who you leave behind. So mm. if you've got a spouse, everything will go to the spouse. If you've got a spouse and children, everything will go to the spouse and children. Uh, everything will go to the spouse in the anticipation that eventually the, the, the spouse will leave it then to the children. Mm. But if you've got... Um, a spouse and children from a previous relationship, then there's a different regime. Mm. So the spouse will get, just for um, to make it simple, 450000 mm-hmm. uh, and half of the estate and the children from the first relationship will get the other half of the estate. But is that really what you want or do you want a different regime? And if you don't turn your mind to it, you'll, you just get what the lawmaker tells you to. Ines, there's so much more we could ask you about. We're going to have to get you back in because it's uh, really interesting stuff. Ines Kelvite from KHQ Lawyers, thanks for coming and talk to us, talking Thank to us so about much. wills. Thank you. Thank you. The Joy Community, here for you, here together. This is What Happens If on Joy 94.9. Here we are. And uh, tonight we're asking the question, what happens if I die? Mm, it's been good so far. I've really enjoyed it. It's been good. We've been learning. Yeah. Oh, jotting some stuff down. Yep. Now... Death sometimes come around comes around unexpectedly. Trigger warning. I feel like it's always. No, sometimes you know. Okay. No, sure. But yeah. yeah, no. Yeah, okay. Okay. And uh, sometimes... <laughs> okay. Okay. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, do you get me? Um, and so sometimes it's funny to think about... Um, <laughs> sometimes it's Careful funny. Careful how you phrase this. Yeah. Sometimes you, sometimes you Google things and you say, funny, show me funny ways people have died. Yeah. And of course, BuzzFeed has a list. Of course they do. And so I'm going to bring to you a few of my, uh, top, top picks from, uh, BuzzFeed weirdest deaths. Okay. This, great. Is, this is from 2011 or something. So it's, it's a while ago. Oh, there so, would have been heaps of great ones since then. So exactly. So we don't need to worry. So number one, Jan. I don't know any of these. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. <laughs> Number one. This is from BuzzFeed. Yeah. Brazilian Jao Maria de Souza uh-huh. 
was killed in 2013 when a cow fell through his roof on top of him as he slept. <laughs> okay. Now, why was the cow on the roof? Well, look, well, the first thing that comes to mind is a uh, tornado. In Brazil? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I don't know, do they have those there? I have no idea. Uh, no, okay, it's another one. Canadian lawyer Gary Hoy died while trying to prove that the glass windows of the 24th floor office was unbreakable by throwing himself against it. Wait, it didn't break, but it did pop out of its frame and he punched to his death. (laughs) (laughs) He showed them. Oh, my gosh. It's unbreakable. Was he trying to prove that too? I just imagine that scene where it's like they're at a Christmas party and he's just like, "Yeah, I bet you, I, I bet, I bet you, it's not. I bet you, it is." I reckon uh, it's, it's some assistant. It's like, "Ah, uh, Mr. Hoy, I think the um the glass might be breakable." No, it's not. Uh, listen up, Carol. I'll show you. <laughs> I had these reinforced. <laughs> It's another one here. Uh, US Congressman Michael F. Farley died in 1921 as a result of shaving because his shaving brush was infected with anthrax. Whoa. Heavy stuff. Oh, boy. Uh, always rinse your shavers before you use them, I say. I hope there was a recall after that. Mm-hmm. Wait a second. No. I think it How was it planted. It <laughs> <laughs> they didn't accidentally sell a bunch of razors with anthrax on them. I don't think so. No, the, surely the not. The team at Bic would have certainly recalled them. Bic? Bic? Don't Chip. they make... No, no Bic <laughs> make, make razors. Same thing. Sorry? <laughs> Bic make razors. Do they? Well, we can't say brands anyway. No, don't. We're too late. <laughs> in nine, oh, sorry. In fifteen sixty-seven, the going back away. Oh no! Yes, in fifteen sixty-seven, the man said to have to have had the longest beard. Aubrey de Grey. Aubrey de Grey. Aubrey de Wodonga. <laughs> the man said to have have the longest beard in the world died after he tripped over his beard running away from a fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, he would be afraid of a fire, wouldn't he? Because there's a lot to catch fire. <laughs> now, some of these, I don't know if they're true, but I like the idea of that. Why? Well, dying from tripping over your own beard because you're running away from a fire. That's hilarious. I'm trying to work through the physics of what happened. So he stepped on the beard with one of his feet. Yeah. And then what happened from that? Well, head to ground. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, head to ground. Head to ground. It's clear. All right. Okay. uh, Another one? Yep. You liking these? Oh, yeah. Just hit hit me. All right. The uh, the first people ever killed in an air accident were hot air balloon pioneers Jean-Francois Pilatre de Rosier and well Pierre done. Romain. In, that wasn't funny. <laughs> no, it wasn't funny. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, is that it? <laughs> oh, that was just a I think it was just a fun fact. That was just a fun fact. I mean, they're all, they're all tidbits. Uh, this is the last one I've, I've highlighted. There okay. is plenty more. Um Eight people died in the London... Oh, this is this is a fun one. This is actually what I thought... Doesn't sound fun. No, no, this is a fun one. Okay. <laughs> this is something that I thought I, I, w- I wouldn't mind going this way. If it had, if I had to choose... Out of the ones you've listed so far? Yeah. Well, if I had to choose other ones, I definitely wouldn't choose window pane glass falling out of the building because I hate heights. No. So I wouldn't even go near those windows. Running away from fire with tripping on beard seems like it would be happening quickly. <laughs> yeah. Like you're out and done. Unconscious, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, anyway, I, I choose this one. I choose this. Okay. Uh, eight people died in the London beer flood in 1814 <laughs> when a giant vat 
at a brewery burst, yeah. sending over 3,500 barrels of beer pouring through the nearby streets. <laughs> Sounds great. Just ridiculous. <laughs> so they really you want like a, a pint? Let's <laughs> go around the corner. Oh, not free beer. It's free. Let's die it's in there. Free. It's all free. Should we die in there There's now? There's so much head on this beer. <laughs> that sounds good. Oh, but still, drowning is not meant to be great. I'll pick a random one. Um, <laughs> the first good? pedestrian ever killed by a car was Bridget Driscoll of Croydon <laughs> in <laughs> London in uh, 1896. That's not just another one of those firsts, is it? It is. <laughs> That's just That's trivia. the end of it. Okay. I've got more. Um... No, no, no. Let's leave it there. Anyways, that's that's um, that's crazy, crazy deaths from BuzzFeed. Thanks, BuzzFeed. Yeah, thanks, BuzzFeed. I mean, always really keeping it keeping it top line journalism over at BuzzFeed. I mean, we know that we can't. You can't always choose. Let me see how I can phrase that. But you, um, you know, it's it's good to go out with a bang. Yeah, I mean, we sort of spoke about that in the um, in the movies in the movies when we went to the movies a couple of weeks ago. Did we? Yeah, we spoke about... Um, what movie uh, were we seeing? Melancholia. We spoke about Melancholia. Oh, yes. And, yes. and yes. about seeing the On the, the show? Thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we've, we've come full circle. Oh, my God, we have. We come back to uh, what happens if uh, the, world, the ends. world ends. Exactly. Because remember we spoke about it's really about your world ending, and now we're speaking about dying. <laughs> <laughs> Which is your world ending. This is a morbid show, people. Ah, and we don't apologise. Mm. Um, but uh, earlier on in the show, we did play some audio from some amazing artists. Yeah, we're going to revisit that, aren't we? We are. Um, so it's um, audio uh, work from um, French and Mottershead. French and Mottershead. Yes. Beautiful. I, I believe they actually exhibited in uh, Dark Mofo recently. Yeah, they did. And mm. um, they've got some venues and dates coming up for a different work called Bushland, which is a piece from the same series as Homebody, which we'll be playing in a second. And um, that's from a, a larger series, I think, called Afterlife. And okay. um, it'll be showing at the Sightworks Festival on the 29th of September, um, Metro Arts Brisbane, Death Fest 2.0, 2nd of the 4th of November, and... Uh, at Arts House, 1st to 2nd of December. So that's cool. So just to preface it, it's basically uh, an audio work that you can yeah. plug into your... You can load onto your phone, listen to yep. it. You're meant to listen to it in a quiet space. Yep. And you're basically meant to experience... It's basically experience what your body goes through mm-hmm. and then your surroundings around you mm-hmm. um, after your death. So as the clip we heard at the beginning was kind of like your own body's... The beginning of decomposition. The beginning of it, yep. Um, we now skip ahead yeah, quite to, I believe, a hundred years later. Oh, much further, I think. Even further? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I'm, I'm going to laugh if she says, exactly 100 years <laughs> yeah, on. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but you won't hear that at home. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we're skipping ahead. And uh, this is what, uh, who are they? French and Mottershead. French and Mottershead, mm. believe, happens. Well, they've probably done some research as well. They have. Anyway, check it out. Hope you enjoy it. This is Joy. The sounds of the summer evening street are muffled by the closed windows and curtains. On the bedside table, your phone is charging. There's a glass of water and a book. The small lamp casts a soft light over your body. You're on your side, head on your pillow your hands up towards your face and your legs under the bedclothes. Your eyes and mouth are open. After a hundred years, the only sounds are natural. Wind, rain, animals, 
mold and bacteria continue to break down the timbers and fabrics into soil. Metal door hinges and handles, your phone casing, mattress springs, coins and the radiator corrode. Plastic light switches and plug sockets are weakened by the sun but remain intact. Sycamore saplings mature into trees. The canopy extending up over the walls. Over centuries, you are buried deeper. The bricks drop and break as mortar and plaster crumbles and powders. Bacteria and fungi break down the last brittle fibres of your hair and nails. Collagen, calcium, potassium and magnesium leach from your bones, leaving them weak and fragile. Cracks form through which tree roots grow, fragmenting them further. The climate warms. The winters no longer reach freezing temperatures and the summers are blazing hot. Storms, floods and mudslides overwhelm the ruins of your home. Over millennia, the bricks become sand. Metals rust into the earth. The ground shifts and your teeth and bone fragments disperse and diminish, whilst more robust materials persist. Crushed glass, ceramics and shredded plastic from your home and the gold, silver and palladium from your phone lie amidst concentrations of industrial and radioactive pollutants in the ground. Over eons, upheavals and pressure compress this layer into a thin marker of your time. This is What Happens If with Daniel and Jan on Joy. And that's it for another Tuesday. Fantastic. Um, glorious, glorious show. Pretty heavy. Yeah. But I think we, we learned some stuff. We were just saying actually that we, what we 
what we love about this show is actually we are genuinely learning stuff and I hope that you are um, along with us for that ride. Yeah, yeah. It's happening in real time. It's it's happening it's in real, real time. Every guest we get on, we get surprised by what they bring. Yep. Um, Innes, our amazing lawyer from KHQ, brought some really interesting stuff, particularly about superannuation, which uh, I think neither of us knew um, the fact that you can't... Um, you can't leave your superannuation to really just, who you choose. Yeah, not really. <laughs> not really. <laughs> we so, just, I mean, sort of, sort but not of. really. Yeah, not yeah. if you want to live to Annie Mary. No. <laughs> so next week's show. Yeah. We're doing, uh, what are we going to do? We're going to do, uh, what happens if I learn, learn a, language. a language? That's said the together one. together in English. Beautiful. <laughs> Bonjour. Ah, Mel C. Never mind. Not at all. Mel C indeed. Ugh, <laughs> Mel C. <laughs> Yeah, we're going Which to... one was she? Was she Baby Spice? No, she was uh, sporty, Spice. sporty. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well, good. We got that cleared up. Yeah. <laughs> Viva forever. I'll be waiting. Everlasting. Like a sun. Hey, what about this one? So, yeah, next week we're doing uh, <laughs> What Happens If I Learn a Language. This has been What Happens If I Die. Yeah. Uh, make sure you check out our podcast... Uh, what happens if on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts from? Yep. Um, check out the Insta. Check out the Instagram. Yeah. What happen at What happens if? Give us a follow. Yep. Chuck us a few likes. You know what? Yeah. Ifs. Give us a rating. You got time for it? Yeah. <laughs> if you're on Instagram, you have time to go find the podcast and rate it. And you know what? I must say, I'm sick of putting my stuff out there and my friends not responding yeah. and not liking what I put out there and not. Uh, giving my podcast five stars. Just do it. I can see it in your face. You're angry. It's not that hard. No, it's really not that hard. I mean, uh, you get, I mean, even if you like me just a little bit, <laughs> you could you could go and you could just you could just press that little button. In fact, you don't even need to press a button anymore. It's just like your finger touching the screen. That's all you have to do. It's nothing. Anyway, we love you. We love you for listening. Thanks so much. Next week is what happens if I learn a language. Uh, Urban Dreaming's up next. This is Joy. Oh,